Hi, I'm George Tekmachov here with Bruce and Brittany from the NFAA for Easton podcast number 160. Hey, kids, how's it going? Hey, really good. We're um, excited to finally get back to some type of whatever our new normal is going to be. <laughs> yeah, and we're going to talk about some of that. Hey, uh, I just wanted to catch up with you two real quick to find out uh, the latest skinny on the Vegas shoot, which everybody's excited about. First weekend of February of 2022. So not a whole lot of time, less than two months to go before we uh, all head down to Vegas. And Bruce, um, what's what's the latest as far as uh, as far as the nine four one one on what's going on? You know, it's it's exciting to finally get back after last year. You know, having a a makeshift Vegas for just the championships. Um, you know, coming off of twenty twenty, which I didn't. You know, nobody realized it at the time, but that was the last of the real of archery events until COVID hit. Um, so we were fortunate, you know, and we still had a couple countries back then even that were apprehensive about coming and weren't allowed to. And we had our biggest ever year. You know, we set history with our numbers again. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, I, I, Brittany's got the exact numbers here, but I ask her daily, you know, what it looks like for registration. And the really cool thing is that we are ahead of the pre-registered numbers, you know, year to date of 2020. So that's a, a positive, good sign. And um, you know, we're just, we're excited. You know, we've been talking to the vendors and talking to the archers and, you know, we've been to Vegas and um, it's just like, maybe finally things will be normal again. Absolutely. Hey, you know what? I've got a special announcement to make. We have been joined by none other than Mr. S.D. Anderson. Can you believe it? He's actually on the line. I don't believe he's actually here. I believe that would be his wife, Linda, taking his place. That's possible, but uh, hey, yeah. Steve. Uh, this is Linda. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. What's going this on, is, Mr. Anderson? This is S.D. Anderson. I am here. <laughs> Why did I start calling myself that, George? I forgot. You told me it had to do with the sales meeting and you were, you were trying to kind of jab the, uh, the reps for kind of having this sort of, uh, you know, putting on airs kind of, uh, name for themselves on the zoom meeting that you guys were doing. Huh? I don't, I don't remember. You know, you told the story. It was a few podcasts yeah, ago. Sure. If I went back to the podcast, it could give me the historical account of my life, but I will not do that. <laughs> Thank hey, you. Steve, how bad was the fire? Fire. Yeah, the one that got you out of bed this morning. Fire. Good one, Bruce. <laughs> Pretty bad. All right. So uh, we're all together here. Let's uh let's start out by saying, Steve, that uh this could be the last podcast of the uh 2021 season. Um we gotta do one more. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking the same. But we got to do know, an awards show. Actually, I, I think we want to do a 2021 recap kind of show. Talk about yeah, our we, highlights of the season, that kind of right. thing. Right. See, we'll call it the Eastons, and we'll give out a, a virtual awards for <laughs> best match of the year, uh, worst like judge that. call of the year, things like that. Worst judge. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, there's not a lot of candidates for that one. Not too many. And uh, certainly, we'll start out by talking about last April's Vegas event because that was a that was a goer that one right there. And so we're back talking about Vegas 2022. And uh, you know, I will say 
once we have a real Vegas shoot, we will know that archery is really back. Uh, Bruce, you know, the elephant in the room, of course, is people having uh, various reactions to some of the news from around the world involving travel and stuff. We don't know everything we're going to know in, in February, but, uh, you know, it looks to me like Vegas is up and running for some events that are even much bigger than Vegas. Oh, yeah. I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we, uh, our core crew was just in Vegas last week just doing our planning events and working with the decorator, the hotel, the convention center, all that stuff. And we didn't even realize it, um, that it was the NFR week. And um, of course there was some really good things. Our South Dakota governor was there. She did a couple talks. Um, we had a lot of neat things going on, but I never realized how big NFR was and the team roping um, that city. I mean, it, they say it's quarter of a million people come in for that. And I'm sure that they're light, if anything, and probably a quarter of a million horses. In fact, those of the listeners that know the South Point know that there's 1,500 stalls below where we shoot. But what they probably don't realize is there's another 1,500 portable ones they put outside. I mean, there was 5,000 horses just at the South Point. It was, it was amazing. Um, and, you know, it was as close to business as usual as I've ever seen it. Um, and you're right. We, nobody knows. I mean, the good thing we have is we've got the NFR that just happened. We've got uh, magic that happened. We've got the SHOT Show that's going to be two weeks before Vegas. Yeah, the SHOT Show, for those uh, international listeners that don't know, that's the Shooting, Hunting, Outdoor Trade Show. And yes. it is uh, seven miles yeah, of, of, of booths. Not, not exaggerating. Seven miles. It would take you something like five days to visit each booth for something like 30 seconds. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's huge. Yeah, it's, you know, and... Basically, uh, just in layman's terms, it's the gun show of, you know, like we're the archery yeah. region, obviously. But yeah, it's everything from. And there is archery in there. To, yeah, it's, it's absolutely huge. Um, and, you know, the fact that they, they've got 100,000 attendees at that show. Yeah, and, it's um, it's uh, like the computer, you know, show that, that's in Vegas, 100,000 yeah, 100, attendees. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, all those have gone on. You know, there's different requirements for all of them. They all have little different things. But um you know, it's a, a never-changing thing, but the good thing is I think that the world has said, hey, this is going on, we're moving on, so we're excited about that. So, Brittany and Bruce, what's the um, turnout looking like right now? Last time we talked, uh, things were on track for a normal Vegas turnout. Yeah, and actually, like, you know, we're ahead of year-to-date 2020, which was our biggest, and Brittany, what is it right now? What's our total number? We're at 1,700? Yeah, so we're about 1,700, which is... 20 percent up from 2020 um for the same time frame yeah for the same time frame so we're hoping that the trend continues but yeah, yeah you typically see a you typically see a pretty big flood of entries uh with uh what three weeks to go something like that uh we're now at what six weeks to go something like that so um i expect january is going to be pretty busy for um those entries what about the accommodations is it uh, starting to fill up really fast? Yeah, so we are getting close to capacity at, at South Point. And the deadline for that is actually January 7th. So if you still need a room there, get it quick. Um, and then there's also the Grandview next door that has space available. Yeah, that Grandview is a, a popular option because you can, you know, uh, you can bunk a lot of people there. It's very convenient. You don't have to 
fight the recurve shooters that didn't take their stabilizers off when you get in the elevator. So yeah, there's a, uh, there's time is, uh, time is running out. Well, George, getting... people should be paying for bow storage is what they should be doing. If we're going to, well, and in fact, you're right because there is bow uh, storage available. Okay, Nobody should have to carry their bow. I'd like some sort of stipend kickback. For that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, interestingly, <laughs> another big thing, and I, I guess I hope I can announce this game. I'm about to um, go ahead. You know, Easton is celebrating their hundred year anniversary and um, they're kind of using the Vegas shoot as a good kickoff for the year. Cause this is actually the year coming up 2022 and Brittany and Rachel and our crew has been working with the uh, crew at Easton with a lot of design, a lot of history that's going up, some pretty neat things. Um, and I, I would say that's going to be what everybody would call the Bruce effect to Vegas is probably going to be Easton this year. Cause they're, uh, kind of outdoing me in some of their thoughts. So I think that's going to be exciting and something everybody wants to come and see. No place better than Vegas, which has had a 56-year history, more than half of Easton's history, has been involved with the Vegas shoot. And there's nothing maybe – there's not a more happy person on this earth than Greg Easton on the Vegas floor (laughs) with a T-shirt cannon in his hands. (laughs) That's true. It's amazing what a change comes over his personality because Greg's a pretty, you know, mild individual, right? I mean, he's generally a quiet guy and you get him down there, you get him down there on the floor with that t-shirt cannon and suddenly you've got uh, somebody reminiscent of that former Minnesota governor with a chain gun in the Predator movie. <laughs> you know, he's, he's a regular Jesse Ventura down there. Yeah, that's that's always really exciting to see. I uh, I think I've had regret sometime that I ever asked Greg to come down there and handed him one because I could see it in his eyes and it kind of scared me a little bit. So, um, and I think this year is going to really uh, be the icing on the cake. Well, and his accuracy has uh, done nothing but improve over the years as well. So, you know, look out once he gets one of those things. Greg's going to be shooting, I understand. So uh, Shooting recurve again? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, they have quite a competition between Greg and Juan Carlos and Jay Bars. Uh, Jay Bars. And there's and a the, whole bunch of them. So. And, and John Johnston, the son of uh, Joe yes. Johnston, the legendary Easton and Hoyt guy. Uh, Joe had been, you know, uh, a fixture in the company history for, for decades. John, his son, and Greg are best friends, and they have a uh, a real rivalry because John John likes to introduce himself as the only person in Vegas history to have podiumed every time he has entered, which is true. Oh yes. So yeah, I, I think we'll see some interesting things from that crew, and uh, of course Juan Carlos, the glue holding them all together, because. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's probably the, here's the thing about the Vegas shoot, you know, and, and just all joking aside, it is the reunion for our sport. Everybody who can make it there always looks forward to getting together with old friends. And it's as if no time has passed. It's, it's one of the really, really wonderful parts of the Vegas shoot that I personally enjoy. Yeah. And George, I think one thing to mention too, is that the international restrictions have been lifted. So anyone out there that's that hasn't been able to get into the U.S. for the last couple of years, now's your opportunity. Um, so we do have some information on our website about that because they should get started early. Yeah, that's an important point, Brittany, because uh, you know everybody saw the headlines when there was sort of a knee-jerk reaction to the latest variant of COVID, but they didn't see the fact that it, just a couple of days later, um, 
those restrictions were lifted. And uh, I think that some people might have still have it in their head that there are travel restrictions. Now, look, there could be, but um, the odds are that it will be a much more relaxed situation than it was, say, in 2021. And we will see a situation where it's going to be a lot easier for our international crowd to be able to make it over. And Bruce, as you pointed out in the past, airlines still have plenty of liberal policies regarding, you know, change dates, things of that nature. And um, it, it isn't going to be any easier than ever, but it will be really easy compared to what we've seen in the past 18 months to make it to Vegas and participate in this event in a safe manner. Yeah, you know, and if we have any expertise, uh, Brittany and the crew here, you know, for what we just finished up, the World Championship, the World Cup Final, and yeah. World Congress. I mean, we got 83 countries into the U.S. And, you know, there were some challenges, and that's before everything opened up like it has now. So, Well, yeah, that's the point. It was much more restrictive at the time of the uh, Yankton World Championship. Exactly. And, and yet there were, you know, very, very few issues uh, involving getting uh, participants into the country and uh, safely accommodated. And by the way, to the best of my knowledge, there were zero issues as a result of that gathering of 80 something countries in South Dakota. So that's yeah, it. It was absolutely uh, like nothing even happened. I mean, the only good thing we had was a lot of people here and they spent money and they enjoyed shooting again. So it was a win-win from every respect on our end. Yeah. And I think that's an important point. I mean, yeah, there were protocols in place, but at the end of the day, you had more than a thousand people from 80 something countries get together with basically zero consequences. And, you know, we're going to be sensitive to making sure that Vegas is a safe event as well, but it's going to be something that I think everybody has been looking forward to for practically pushing two years now. And uh, it's, it's time for us to, to get together and shoot arrows. And, and the other things that uh, I think that a lot of folks need to remember, this is the first consumer show, real, real scale consumer show. So that, you know, it's going to be an opportunity for people to see the gear and interact with the gear suppliers for the first time in a long time. And I think that's a really, uh, really important aspect of the Vegas shoot. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that's that's a big part of what makes Vegas and um, people look forward to that. You know, and, and the other thing when you're as we're talking about the different little niches that Vegas has, and this surely isn't a little one, but a big one um, is that we're still having the World Archery um, final for the World Series indoor. You know what we refer to as the World Cup indoor. Um, that's Saturday night. And of course, that's what we've all referred to as the World Cup final. Um that has a lot of international archers. Um, you know, it's World Archery's big event for the, the where they crown the top three in all the divisions. Um, so we're excited about that. And, um, you know, I, I think that that's something that, again, for the last two years has been non-existent. So, yeah. And, and another point, of course, that uh, you were making earlier is that, uh, you know, World Archery has this sort of a virtual thing again going on. A lot of clubs around the world are able to participate uh, virtually with uh, the culmination of this being Saturday night in Vegas. Yes. Yep. And, you know, once again, I think I think the only physical locations, uh, oh, there may be a couple of us, but I know Nimes is one. And, and of course, yeah. Vegas will be the other. 
And um, we're just excited to have that back again and give people the opportunity to shoot indoor. So, yeah. So once again, just to recap, rooms are filling up fast at the South Point. Still some rooms available at the uh, Grandview next door. There is going to be um, a deadline. And once again, Brittany, please refresh us on what that is. Uh, January 7th. And that's for accommodations. And what's the deadline for entry for the Vegas shoot? So the early deadline is January 17th. So that's after that, there's going to be a surcharge for the entry yeah. fee. Is that right? Yes. A $50 late fee. Yep. Okay. So save yourself, uh, save yourself a picture of President Grant on a piece of paper <laughs> and get your entry in before January 17th. And uh, once again, those rooms filling up fast, get a hold of the South Point. Um, all of the information for the Vegas shoot 2022 is available at the website, which is, Brittany? TheVegasShoot.com. TheVegasShoot.com. So, Bruce and Brittany, I want to thank you for taking the time out from your busy schedules to join us for this update. And uh, I'm looking forward to Vegas once again. Absolutely. We're excited. Um, thanks for all you do. And by the way, is Anderson still on here? Or did he just, like, go again? No, he just, you know, he, he, he likes to do things while we're talking, you know. Yeah, I had nothing to say. <laughs> did you did you see that, folks? That was an historic occasion just now. They yeah. can't see anything. This is a podcast. <laughs> oh, you're the guy in the commercial that's got his shorts on, right? What shorts? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was great to have those guys on the show. Um, you know, I can't imagine the amount of work required to get this event. And all the other events they're doing, you know, the 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 Rushmore Rumble, and the, I mean, you just name it. They they, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, between the Mega Weeks and Rushmore Rumble, and then you know, pivoting and moving indoor nationals to Yankton. We've been very yeah. fortunate to have uh, it's our version of Fight Island, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And World Field Championship will be there in 2022. You uh, you're planning on that one? <laughs> I don't know. I just got some email. It, the The trials is really tight with uh, World Cup in Korea. Oh, so as much as I like World Field, I I don't know that I don't know. I may or may not shoot it. You know. Well, that World See? Cup in Korea is going to be a, a banger. I mean, it's going to they're going to pull all the stops out to get that one done. Um, as Tom Dillon mentioned to us in our previous podcast uh, korea is taking over for the shanghai leg of the world cup and so uh, that's an important event partly because it's the test event you could look at it as the test event for the world championship that will be held in uh, that same venue in korea in 2025 so that's going yeah, to be the a, downside uh, is i don't think there's you know anywhere to get uh suits made well you know with the same value you get when you're in shanghai so well, we I don't know. Suits. You stop in Seoul, you go to Itaewon, you can get actually the highest quality stuff uh, and they'll do it in the same day. It's pretty amazing. Well, I'm going to stop in. I'm going to get yeah. some suits. I remember I, uh, Greg Easton and I bought leather jackets there quite a while ago now. We're talking 20 years ago in Itaewon in Seoul. And uh, it's a remarkable place. So I have a feeling that uh, you're not going to be short on the... Uh, custom-made rapid production suit side if you uh, if you find yourself there. 
Well, I'll tell you this, uh, your, your leather jackets are probably about due to come back in style. Yeah, exactly. They've never been out of style, but I bet they're about to be hot again. I'll bet you're right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do know what you mean. And, uh, you know, I, being of a certain age, I have a certain number of items in the closet that indeed do find themselves coming back into style occasionally. So, you know, you could say it's OG fashion wear. Original George. Yeah, exactly. All right. We've got other stuff to talk about. Um, this week, we've had uh, not a lot of action in terms of events, but uh, you are you are uh, and Linda uh, put on a show for some folks, some VIPs. That was pretty good. That worked out really well. Thank you for doing that. I mean, I... Uh... I was calling my shots out there. It was a dominant performance. It was, I have to admit. I mean, you know, Linda held her own, by the way. She held her own. You know, I gave up, I gave up a couple points, but I, you know, I mean, right off the get-go, I told that lady, I said, Yeah, I'm gonna hit the X. I'm gonna hit the middle of it. First shot piped. Yep. Piped. Yeah, and, and and not a joke. I mean, it was right on the spider. I I I shot the arrow and I immediately pointed at her because I knew it was going in the middle, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I pointed right at her. Yeah. And uh, everyone got a good laugh out of that. Well, and it worked. So, all right. Have you, uh, have you had a look at your copy of the Easton hundred year book uh, manuscript uh, that's uh, just about being finalized? Have you had a look at it? I've not done that homework yet. Well, there's a, there's a lot of stories in there. So uh, one of these days we'll, we'll sit down and start trading some of those stories, but uh there's a couple of them in there that I think uh, are particularly interesting from the standpoint of what's going on with the Vegas shoot. And uh, I think that uh, maybe we'll, uh, we'll have Greg maybe recount some of that stuff in an upcoming podcast. 56. Let me ask you this. Go ahead. This will be the second archery book that I have previewed the manuscript of. Oh, yeah? The first one was from Bob Markworth. Oh, wow. You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I sure do. Yes. And he sent me the wrong manuscript. Oh, really? He had, yeah. This was, I mean, this was insane. He, uh, so for those who don't know Bob Markworth, he's been on America's Got Talent, like shooting a bow and a crossbow. Bob Markworth made his living for more than 40 years shooting bows and crossbows um, at balloons held in the mouth of people that kind of thing in yeah. Vegas. he hasn't killed anyone so that's good as far as we know as far as we know but he was in some you know countries where if he did they just didn't come back and no one heard anything did you ever see otherwise. the segment of him in france um no there's a there's a version of america's got talent you know i think which started out maybe as a british show but i'm not sure but anyway there's a segment of him just look up Bob Markworth Got Talent on YouTube. Uh, it, yeah. It, his release goes off early. Let's just leave it at that. And the arrow, Lord knows where it went. I mean, it was scary, scary stuff. I the think look, I've got the clip pulled up. Yeah. The look on the face of the panelists is priceless. But anyway, you were saying the book. He sent you the wrong manuscript. What did he yeah, say? Yeah, and pardon me because I've, okay, I've got his clip queued up, but... Um, Okay, go ahead and look at that clip and we'll come back. 
Well, it's it's kind of a long clip. Are you want to pause the recording? Yeah, and then uh, you look at the clip, and then we'll you know, we'll come back. All right. So that was the uh, the French edition of uh, America's Got Talent. France has got talent, I guess. This is. Uh, I, I let's just, go of the release. Yeah. Yeah. It's anyway. insane. Yeah. So so you got the wrong manuscript. What 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 did you get? It was basically like his. How do I say this? Uh, carefully, carefully. It was basically his little black book of yeah. I, I had a feeling it was passion. I had a feeling it was travels like around the world. Yeah, I and, mean this uh, guy. This guy spent yeah. fifty years. Uh, a lot of it in Vegas. You can imagine that there's a lot of backstage stories. We'll just leave it at that. He was a nomad. You know, he was in like uh, Southeast Asia, all over the, the globe doing this stuff, you know, through the, I want to say he was through uh, the Russian bloc and, oh, yeah. and all this stuff. And I think he just like went place to place and lived until, you know, figured out a way to live off of however, and then moved on and figured it out again and never really settled down anywhere. So. No, but he spent a ton of time in Vegas. Um... I, I don't know if we're going to see a time again when somebody can make their living shooting the clothing off of off of their assistants, that kind of thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, I I don't think we should see it again. That's kind of where I was headed. Anyhow, yeah, his book was. I mean, it was really funny when he realized and he sent me. He said, "Hey, Steve, I sent you the wrong manuscript. This is the one you're supposed to get. It's about archery." And I I was like, "Well, the other one was." pretty interesting if not a bit far-fetched well you know that's that happens you got to be real careful when you're sending texts and emails and stuff like that they go to the right recipients that's for sure so the big news this week um which isn't that big of uh, uh news to those of us who've been paying attention but uh wa's uh equipment failure rule has gone into a you know is going into effect and that is no more equipment failures um we talked with Tom about it a little bit. seems like social media is starting to pick up on it. And the usual suspects appear to be outraged, Steve. Yeah. It's WA is oppressing the shooters by not letting them declare 15 minute arbitrary equipment failures because their clicker moved. Yeah. Or because it's windy and they say that their rest is broken and then magically their rest is fixed. Yeah. A minute later. And I, I will to- say this. I have seen the equipment failure rule abused more than properly used, particularly in the last 10 years. And well, and, and it's, I, it's uh, you know what? It, it's, it's not, this rule isn't to make you buy two bows. Oh, I mean, yeah. I've seen that narrative. That's ridiculous. How about just check your stuff? Right. This rule is in place one to prevent tournaments from going far too long. I mean, you, we've had, we've had events where we added at least an hour Due to equipment failure. Absolutely. I mean, and, you get and, one and some of it was not end. legitimate equipment failure. I'm just going to yeah. come out and say it. Right. And then you get the windy events where people use it strategically. Yeah. Well, that's what, I'm, ca- that's what I'm, I'm counting that. I'm counting that. Uh, third, this encourages you to, a uh, part of being an archer is maintaining your equipment. Now, this is probably going to backfire me and I'm going to have something break and it's going to screw me over. But if it does, guess what? It To win a tournament, you do that in elimination rounds. We've never had equipment failure in eliminations. It's always, if you have a problem, sorry, you're, you're done. 
So it's a qualification only thing. Um, yeah. But part of being an archer is, is the equipment side as well. And you need to know how to maintain it and you need to buy good stuff, right? And that latter part is the key. Fakes. Well, so, it'll discourage the fakes. It'll discourage the $40, you know, pop metal sites. It'll, it'll discourage the, uh, you know, chewing gum limbs. I think you're going to see that um, at the end of the day, it's not going to affect serious shooters because serious shooters generally stay on top of that stuff in the first place. But what it does do is quite frankly, it takes away this gambit, this uh, kind of skirting the rules gaming that has happened, that continued to happen up until, you know, the last couple of years where if the weather wasn't quite right, or if the wind was on a cycle that somebody didn't like, they would play the rule to benefit themselves right. at the cost of everybody standing there. Yep. And so. it just, it got to be ridiculous. You know, you'd go to USA nationals and there'd be an equipment failure literally every end. I'm still trying and to figure out what other sport has equipment failures in it. You know, if a, if a guy blows a tire in MotoGP, yeah, he can go back and, but he doesn't, he doesn't get to start over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, there, there isn't another sport that has that. So, and for and, good reason, you know what? I am not opposed to the equipment failure in general. Like I get the idea behind it and I would, should something ever happen to me or whatever, I would love to have the ability to have, uh, to call equipment failure, but the way it's been the last few years, it's just ridiculous. Now, say you're here's where I they need to have some type of thing in play for makeup arrows. Someone knocks over a bow, you know, they, they pick up their bow and knock over the 10 next to it and it breaks something. Those people need to have some type of ability to have a repair time, right? And then begin shooting again because they're. It was not their fault. They were Im impeded by a competitor. So that's yeah. something they should consider. Well, we'll bring that up. Once in a while. We'll bring that up with WA next time we talk, because that's about the only thing I can think of, you know, where it you know, falls under maybe uh, extraordinary circumstances. Yeah, something like that. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm have sure you ever personally, a... have you ever personally used the equipment failure rule for your personal benefit, uh, you know, in, in, in a legit equipment failure situation? I've never called an equipment failure in my life. Me neither. 30 years with a recurve bow, never had one in competition. I had one. one happen, but it was in, uh, it was in eliminations. I oh, yeah. broke my stable, I broke my quick disconnect. It, just had a thin back end and over, you know, thousands and thousands of arrows that eventually broke through. Yeah. And my front stabilizer fell off and you couldn't get the, I mean, I, if I had had 10 minutes and some, a torch and some vice grips, I probably could have got the thing fixed, but I finished it with no stabilizer. And then I believe I borrowed Bridger Deaton's bow and shot an end or two that way. But, uh, yeah, that's that's my only experience. But again, that wasn't during a time when you could have used the rule. So right. it kind of doesn't count. Yeah, nothing would have changed compared to now. I mean, nothing would have changed. And you know what? It generally, if you have an equipment failure, it doesn't matter if you have a backup bow there. Usually that equipment failure already cost you the match. So maybe, maybe not, but 
chances are it's cost you some points. Yep. All right. So, you know, I, I think all the Sturm and Drang will die down once people realize that this is not that big a deal. Uh, and that at the end of the day, it's actually going to help in, increase the integrity of the sport, shall we say? Oh, for sure. Like, I mean, if it, I, I was surprised people were upset. I thought everyone would be like, oh, thank goodness. You know, and then I realized that <laughs> I, I guess people don't have the same experience of the equipment failure as I do. And, you know, if you're a, say you're a youth coach looking at it, maybe you look at it differently because kids are always breaking stuff or something's loose. And, you know, the kids don't always notice these things. Whereas your pro level archers, you, you can like tell when a bolt's coming loose, you know? Yeah, fair enough. But let's face it now, I think having a little bit more effort put into staying on top of your gear is right. something that is going to be more important and yep. it'll be underscored for those people that, that have been lazy about it. Yeah. A bottle of Loctite and, you know, a, a torque spec and get things where they need to be. So yeah, just stay on top of your stuff. This is the worst time of year. It for, is for someone like me. We're super busy at work with exactly uh, right now. Good. You know, we got trade show stuff and you think, Oh, it's trade show. And then it's over, but no, like trade show. And then if in a normal year, we'd go to Nîmes, and then we'd go to Lancaster and then we go to Vegas. And then, then you kind of slow down a little bit this year. We're not, I'm not going to Nîmes. I will go to Lancaster, but there's a, you know, a bit of a gap between ATA and, and Lancaster now. So it's just, yeah. there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on and it all looms on you. Like you're always thinking, what did I forget? So the holiday is totally unenjoyable. Yeah. We, uh, we have ship dates that are on either side of, of Christmas. So we don't, you know, typically don't take, uh, extra time off. So yeah, I'll, I don't know if I'm doing anything. How about you? Same here. I'm, uh, you know, trying to, trying to get some projects done and, um, some of them I'd really like to try to get done before the end of the year. So I'm, I'm working straight through. Yeah. That's not a bad plan. You know, it's a good, it's a good time of year, that little break where a lot of people do take time off or whatever, you know, sometimes you can get a little more done without, uh, having other stuff get piled on you. So, yeah, this is true. As long as you're not dependent on other people to get things done in terms of project type stuff, um, you can be very efficient and get a lot done during that, uh, lull, shall we true. say between about, uh, really about four or five days before Christmas till four or five days after the new year. Um, you know, with, uh, especially internationally, uh, New Year's is a big deal. And so there's not much happening um, in offices. Uh, and if you've got project-based stuff that you want to get done, that can be a good time to, to work on that stuff. Yeah. You know, Steve, the, uh, the disruption to the calendar, shall we say, led to a long lull of no action in our sport, followed by one after another, after another, after another. And to a degree, we're going to see that happen again. I mean, next year, uh, 2022, the calendar is chock full. Yeah, What's your prognosis just... on, on how that's going to affect competition? I mean, this year, the competition season seemed to go on forever. Well, I'm wondering kind of what the performance level is going to look like. And, and I think you can gauge that best by looking at the recurve categories. Yeah. And uh, in, with compound, it's still a game of don't miss but with recurve you kind of see who's at who's at the peak and who's in you know good shooting shape and who's been putting a lot of time in 
Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've always noticed, you know, the, the year after the Olympics is kind of, uh, you know, a lesser scoring year, you'd say. I remember, I remember one year, must have been 2017. It might have even been like 2014 um, in my first World Cups. But uh, the recurve scores were, you know, you, you wouldn't see many guys cracking 680. And then right. as we got around Olympic year, there's 10 guys shooting 680, you know, and and a number of guys shooting 690. And uh, I'm wondering what it's going to look like next year if we're going to have a, a few 690 shooters or um, I think 690 is the the new 680. So I don't know. Well, where, I don't know where here, people are going to stack up. I, I think one of the factors in play is that it is an abnormally short interval between the last Olympics and the next. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that year that normally you'd see would have been this past year, that, right. that year of somewhat lower performance. I don't think anybody can afford that kind of thing now. No, because there's a cycle of getting on the team and staying on the team and what that right. does for your funding and, and, and things like that. And that's, that's in probably every country, you know, yeah. not just U.S. or Korea or wherever. But, yeah, people want to come out and, if you're trying to be, you know, a funded Olympic athlete, that's a four-year endeavor. Like you've got to be competitive every year. Otherwise you lose that funding and then you lose the opportunity to go to a lot of events, which is where, where you see improvement. We've talked about it a million times, you know, the, the experience that you get at a large event, like a world cup or something like that. Yeah. Uh, And that cycle starts now. And yeah. I think that that is why we're going to see an anomaly. Um, you know, that post-Olympic slump might not happen this year. It would be cool if people just came out crushing, you know, just like better than they've ever been. But we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I think, though, that um, one other area that I think we're going to see um, new limits set is in the compound area. Um, and I, I'll tell you why I think that. Korea did some pretty amazing stuff in the Asian championship with uh, compound and the KAA is putting together a compound youth program. Now this compound youth program they're doing is basically um, modeled after their recurve program. Does that give you pause as a, as a top competitor to see that they're starting to do the same kind of thing with compound that there's that they have historically done with recurve? I have no pause and I will never have pause. Didn't think so. <laughs> no. All it's going to do, first off, they've been very competitive, right? Yeah. The, the issue with Korea is right now they lack the depth that they enjoy in, in recurve. So in compound, right. they might have one guy shooting really good, sometimes two, but they very rarely get four guys who are like 7'10 capable. Right. Um, Kim Jong-ho is always there. And then after that, it's hit or miss. Um, so, yeah, in, in six years, they'll probably have a ton of depth available. But it's hard to say, you know. It is. It's very hard to say. So it just depends on depends on how that's received by the youth archers coming up and who gets funneled into that versus recurve and, um, you know, where the sport goes with compound Olympics and you know, 2028 or 2032 or whatever, but yeah, they'll, they'll get behind it and they'll certainly be deeper and, and 
that will make them more competitive regularly. But we're, we're again, we're at the rev limiter of compound archery. So it's kind of who woke up on the, the right side of the bed today. That's, yeah. that's honestly the differentiator between a lot of the top shooters. Yeah. But what's clear is Korea is, is taking compound really seriously now. And I think that that is going to be a game changer for some other countries. It's going to raise the bar. Um, you know, higher tide floats all boats, as they say. I, I really expect that we will see them be a significant player uh, going forward, just as we have seen. No doubt. Um, speaking of the Olympics um, and compound, one thing that a lot of people assumed when they saw the announcement recently that uh, archery has been added to the 2028 Los Angeles calendar is the specifics of archery have not. Uh, that's not going to be decided till 2024. So there is wiggle room there for potentially a compound event in Los Angeles. Um, you know, Especially with the current a demo event, huh? Yeah, exactly. So that's something that I think a lot of folks missed in the, uh, in the announcement that yes, archery is on the calendar, you know, cause archery is you know, like any other sport, you know, the IOC can decide to, to take sports off the Olympic calendar. The fact that archery is on for 2028 is good news, but they didn't identify the specifics. They didn't say anything about the schedule or the round to be shot or the rounds to be shot or whether we'll get, you know, uh, a mix of, um, something like the, uh, the thing that the para is experimenting with right now, you know, that new mixed team round, that's not really a mixed team. It's a sort of a doubles. So, um, a lot of opportunity potentially for some changes to what we'll see in, in the sport for 2028. And that won't be finalized till 2024. So there's, um, and the Koreans know that. And I think that that might be something that might be one of the reasons why they're, putting this emphasis on compound right now well their whole thing is freaking awesome i don't know if i talked about this on the podcast already but you know when i was looking at uh, i think i did rant about this for a while so this will be a shorter rant but when i was looking at their candidates that korean archery association was putting forth for world archery board positions and committee positions and things of that nature yeah these were people who are legitimate vice presidents at Hyundai. Yeah. It'd be like if, if Ford and Chevrolet took a huge interest in archery and were sending their high-level executives to help run USA Archery and then be a part of committees with World Archery. No, that's like, exactly <laughs> what it is. That's No, that's exactly what it is. Thomas Hahn, who's now yeah. uh, a vice president at WA, member of the executive committee, is the guy in charge of the Hyundai Genesis group. Yeah. Had dinner with him in Yankton. I mean, this guy is as big an executive as anybody you can name at GM or Ford, or, I mean, you know, uh, short of Elon Musk, anybody at Tesla. I mean, this guy is, is a power player in corporate world. What yeah. a great thing to have guys like that really interested in our sport. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity potentially. Yeah, they think on a, a, a bigger scale than what we do, and they can move things quicker than we can because, yeah, they just have. And the, have and the, the great thing is this, this guy is really passionate about archery. I thought it was so cool. And then their whole presentation, like the way they built the presentation to introduce these people. I'm here reading about it. Like, can we just, I, I don't know, can we just let them, uh, I'm not going to say let them 
run the whole show, but it it's good to have them involved and we need to make sure that they are appreciated for that too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Not and like he's I, getting paid to do it. Like he's, it's not a paid position or you can't leverage it into something else. You know, he's just a, he's just, it's part of what they want him to do, I guess, when they work in the executive team at Hyundai, they want him to be yeah. involved elsewhere. Well, and Hyundai's got skin in the game because they're, you know, they're subsidizing the Korean team to this tune of something like 4 million a year. So, right. you know, not a, not a small, not a small investment, but the fact that this top executive for Hyundai is that involved in archery, uh, your point, well made. I mean, you know, that's a big deal. And and the more people like that we can get in our sport, the healthier long-term it can be. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying you have to have super high-powered business types running the sport, but it doesn't hurt a thing from the standpoint of sustainability, the bottom yes. line. And the yeah. ability to bring in non-endemic sponsors, which is the big deal. Right. It's uh, it is great to have them involved. So, and you you look at that, and you you hear that people in executive positions here in the states at powerful companies, they often have some, you know, either volunteer work or philanthropy that they they do, and and a lot of times those companies require it. Right. They want you to be involved outside of the company. Yeah. And. Uh, it's it's really cool to see. I, I just thought it was awesome. I it's I prefer obviously to have <laughs> to have people who are movers and shakers involved in this sport. Otherwise, we will remain whatever we are until we die. And you know what? I've been in this game long enough now. I've heard all the promises people make and the things that they say are gonna happen and doing this will lead to more non-endemic sponsors. And, you know, I'm still wearing khaki pants and we still don't have Subway as a sponsor at uh, the Vegas shoot. So that's where we're at today. But you know what? You go to a world archery event and you see a number of companies who are not archery companies who are funding the whole thing, basically. Yeah. And that's the, that's the way forward, in my opinion, especially with the competition for sponsorship dollars and that kind of thing. Uh, we are very fortunate in archery to have that kind of backing. All right, we've got one more show to do before the end of the year, Steve, and I think that your idea of a uh, sort of a highlight show of 2021 is a good one. So we need to put come our heads up with together. Categories, like what are our categories? And maybe yeah. we put this on Facebook and we ask people for their nominees. I was about to say the exact same thing. That's what we'll do. We will put it up on the Easton Target Archery Facebook page. We will get listeners to participate. Maybe we'll come up with a uh, Easton 100-year pin for those of you who uh, are uh, chosen to participate in the uh, final show of the year. Yeah, it'd be... Uh, I saw some of those. Uh, I saw the photo of the pins. They're pretty sweet. Yeah, I, yeah, they are pretty yeah. cool. They, yeah. It's really interesting when you see a digital rendering, they look stupid, but then you see yeah. the actual and you're like, oh, that looks really cool. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah let's get something up so if you're listening look out for that sometime in the next week yep and folks if you uh, haven't done it yet get your name on the list for the east and hundred year book that'll be published in the third quarter of 2022 um that way corporate knows how many they gotta print and that email address is easton 100 at Long pause here while I try to remember the email address. 
EastonMG.com, I believe. EastonMG.com. Easton100 yeah. at EastonMG.com. And I got uh, some texts about that from people. And just to clarify, like, they don't, they don't have a clue exactly what they're doing for total print number right now. That's and true. that's greatly going to affect the cost. So yep. something, if it's something you're interested in, let them know uh, by sending that email. I mean, it, it, it doesn't mean we're going to, we, we doesn't mean they are going to, you know, be sending out a, a million copies for free or whatever, but it'll at least get them an idea of the level of interest that exists for this book. And then George and I are going to give out some copies for free. And we're going to get Greg to sign them. And we are going to get Greg to sign them. Um, but yeah, I don't, Printing a book is like no easy task. They want you to print like a hundred thousand of them. I don't think You're the talking. print run's going to be that big, but uh, no, I no. think you know it'll be it'll be big enough that initial demand will be met. But it's limited. It's going to be limited. Yeah. Well, we were talking with Lorena about it. She was like, "Yeah, it's you know, if you're doing a limited run, say I don't know, five hundred or a thousand or whatever, it's like crazy expensive to yeah to do that." So. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we don't know any details about it. Just if you're interested, please send that email. <laughs> yeah. And so we'll uh, we'll get back together next week. We'll get that up on Facebook. Don't forget to rate the podcast if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Helps other people find the podcast. I think you just cut out, Steve. No, I, I just didn't say anything. Oh, okay. I, once again, I've come to a, if I don't say anything, you guys are like, oh, I think Steve's microphone's not working. But I think there's going to be a lot of edits in this podcast to get rid of all the dead spaces. I think that last dead space was kind of funny and we just leave it and then we leave a really long dead space now.